0: Hello once again everybody and thank you for joining me here on this Tuesday, December 1st edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey High. We'll chat some NFL for week 13 and talk about the last PGA Tour event here for the 2020 calendar year, the OHL Classic at Mayakoba. Pretty good field for that one this year with it being the last tournament of 2020. So we'll break that one down for you here later on today's show. Over at ATS.io, we're covering the NFL, we're covering college football, we're covering college basketball. Still following along with all the industry happenings. New round of sportsbook promotions will start coming out today, so we'll be able to write about those over at ATS.io. Make sure you download the ATS app, which you can find in the Google Play Store, in the Apple Store, or find direct links to download those uh, in in these stores over at ATS.io. Plenty of stuff going on over there for you to check out. Very busy time of year here as, you know, all these leagues kind of finding a way to make it work as well as they possibly can here to finish out 2020. And I'll have a lot more content throughout the week over at ATS.io. Traveling last week for the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, kind of doing what I could to get by, but we'll focus and hone in a little bit more here for this week, both on the show and also over at the website. With that, we bring in Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. And Brian, how's it going today, man?
1: Well, it's a little chilly here, but I'm not shoveling snow, so I guess it's
0: good. Yeah, I got home last night at 6.30. We left early from South Carolina to uh, beat the bad weather. Woke up this morning and had to shovel my wife out of the driveway. So I probably should have stayed at least one more day in the South or just altogether said F it and just decided you know what? I'm going to move somewhere warm.
1: Well, that yeah, that would be the, you know, the master plan.
0: Yeah. Eventually. <laughs> eventually that will definitely be the plan whether I'm a snowbird 6 months out of the year or just Look, man, I love my home, but the older I get, the less I want to deal with this weather. I obviously you get it, you left Buffalo. I miss Buffalo
1: every day. I just don't miss the weather. That's But I actually I liked winter. I I didn't mind winter. I couldn't stand spring. Yeah, Spring I was, I it was okay. I made it through winter. I liked the snow. I didn't even mind shoveling the snow. I just couldn't take March, April, and May when I made it through winter. It was fifty-five and gray for three months. That that was worse than winter.
0: I thought I was going to die this morning because it rained all day long yesterday. So it's that heavy, wet snow. Oh yeah, that's
1: good. mashed potatoes. Oh,
0: God, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> I my wife calls me. like after she finally gets to work, her you know usual ten minute commute takes. 35 minutes she calls she goes are you still alive do you you still have a pulse i was like i don't know barely i think but uh do you have the
1: setup where like you have a driveway yeah
0: you do the thing where you you do
1: the sidewalks you do the driveway oh the hell with the sidewalks i don't use the sidewalks yeah that's fair but (laughs) but you do the driveway well yeah but you got to think of the mailman But, but you do it you put it all out and then an hour after you're done the plow comes by it makes this mountain at the foot of the driveway and it's even worse than all the work you did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's probably what I'll get to contend with this afternoon. So she can get back in the driveway or (laughs) better you than me, man, or she can just live somewhere else for the night, whatever. All All right. right. So, uh, so let's chat some NFL (laughs) here and and let's sort of recap, you know, what we saw last weekend here first, before we look ahead to this week, which uh, last week actually finishes on Wednesday with Baltimore and Pittsburgh was actually moved twice. in fact, Now they're going to play that game Wednesday afternoon. So week 12, not yet completed, but uh, anything that stood out to you for this past week? Yeah.
1: Idiot coaches. Uh, It's, I just, I, it's always been my pet peeve. I know we've talked about it on this thing fair. I just don't understand why this stuff is so hard. We saw it again last night, down 11, fourth and four from like, whatever it was, the twenty. In the fourth quarter, and in, instead of kicking the field goal, Peterson goes for the first down. It's like, kick the field goal, you're down eight. And it was moronic. It was like the whole world knew he should have done it. Then, like even a common sense thing, the Chargers game with the Bills, Lynn twice, and believe me, the Chargers had every chance in that game. Lynn should have, the situation say kick a field goal, and he's hemming and hawing, do I go for it, do I go for it, or do I kick the field goal? And they're running in and out, running in and out. And he wastes a timeout in what would be a one-possession game to ultimately kick the field goal that, you know, a 10-year-old ten, a ten would have known kicked the field goal. So he wastes a timeout in a one-possession game. But the thing that was really dumb at the end of the game, now it was dramatic from a spread perspective, for the second game in a row, the Bills give up a Hail Mary. This one get they catch it like the four yard line with twenty seconds to go, so they get three kicks at covering the number, uh, and they're down ten. So whatever they throw, two incomplete passes. But now there's there's six seconds left. They've got the ball at the two yard line, and they're down ten. And it's fourth down. Lynn goes for the touchdown, and they call an idiotic which would have covered the number, and the books were screaming and yelling. And the bill stopped it and they didn't get the touchdown. So they didn't cover the number, but just from the game itself, the game perspective, I I mean, if you were eight years old, okay, let's see what happens. There's six seconds left. Let me get this touchdown. So then I get an onside kick with one second left. I'm going to be asking my kicker to kick a 75 yard field goal or kick the field goal which he should have done, and if you get the onside kick, Herbert can throw it 70 yards. I mean, yes, it's a million-to-one shot, but the Bills just lost to Arizona on a Hail Mary. They just gave up a Hail Mary. But but, you know what I'm saying? Like, Can you think 13 seconds into the future? Like, if you got the onside kick, you got to throw a Hail Mary anyway. So take the field goal to at least give give yourself that chance. I I don't understand how these coaches have no clue what to do.
0: Yeah, I don't know either. It's funny because I had the Bills minus five and a half in the circus, so I'm I'm sweating that game on one of the apps on my phone because they didn't have Sunday ticket at the place that we were having lunch, of course. So you know, I, I couldn't see what was or, uh, or late lunch, so I couldn't see what was going on with the game or anything like that. And I'm furiously texting people, what the hell is happening in this mm-hmm. thing? And that was one of the reasons why I ultimately decided on the Bills. You know, making one of my leans uh, into a pick there is they had the coaching advantage, and, and fortunately happened to play out for me. Uh, but that is an epidemic in this league, man. Oh, why? I, I don't know.
1: It's not hard. It's you know, not- then I'm wa- then I'm, I'm sitting here watching the game last night with my wife, and the Eagles can't get out of their own way, and it changed the whole tenor of the game before halftime. Seattle – Philly can't get a first down. Seattle jailhouse blitz. Wentz runs backwards 25 yards, throws off his back foot out of of the pocket. I go, that's grounding. And the referee goes, there is no grounding because the uh, quarterback was outside the pocket and the ball reached the the line of scrimmage. No, it didn't. There's a line judge standing at the line of scrimmage at the flag or at the stick and he's standing here, and the pass is four yards to his left, short of first down. It's like, How does a side judge not run up to the referee go? It didn't make it to the line of scrimmage. And what ended up happening, Philly didn't get, you know, would have been third and 50. They ended up getting a first down, went down, and got points right before halftime. It, it changed the whole tenor of the game it, because Russell Wilson would have got the ball back with two minutes to go, and they go down and score again. And I'm sitting there going, how is that acceptable? I mean, referees, coaches, you're watching something that is pretty simple to me. And it's the simple things that these guys screw up every week. And I don't even think it's because we bet on this stuff. I mean, I don't know. I've always been that way. Like, I, I mean, the minute the ball, the guy threw it, I go, it's grounding. You know, but, but I think when you bet on this stuff, you know, you're laser focused on it. But how do they get the most simplistic things wrong? And then then replay you're sitting there and yeah, that's, that was out. That ball was out. The announcers say that that was out. They go to their referee expert guy and he goes, yeah, that was out. And then they come back and say,
0: yeah, the call stands. Yeah. I I don't know. (laughs) I I had a buddy, (laughs) my, my, my buddy posts on social media last night and he goes, look, he's like, I can unlock my truck from outside the country. I can see who's at my door when I'm not home. And in the NFL, they still use two guys with poles and chains to measure first downs the guys you know run in and put the ball kind of wherever the hell they want to these are multi-million dollar decisions with the placement of the ball the spotting of the ball and it's done in like the most archaic way possible I don't know I, you know I, I see it all the time on Twitter you know during NFL Sundays we bet actual dollars on this league and, and we do and I don't know if we're all you know sadists and masochists or what but these, like, the coaching things, the replay, the officiating, all of it. I, you know, God bless the people that win consistently at the NFL at, you know, 56, 57, 58%. Because there's a lot of bullshit you got to deal with to actually win bets with this thing.
1: You know what? Forgive me. I, I'm right. The exact number escapes me. But it might be almost every game. maybe Maybe one or two. But before I forget, we're talking about the Bills. It's an ATM machine. Bet the bills in the first half. These guys come out of the gate. They always get, get, get going. How many games have they built a big lead and given it away? And, and you think they'd have finally learned a lesson. That's how they were up 16 on Houston in the playoff game last year. They, they had the big lead on the Rams. The Rams came all the way back. You can make the case. Should have beat him. They got the interference call at the end and, and the bills won. Uh, Arizona. They had a big lead. They let them hang around. And Arizona, you know, and the Bills ended up being behind again. Allen wins the game. They lose on a Hail Mary. And then they come out and they're just, you know, like a cat playing with a toy, slapping the Chargers around. And then they're the worst third-quarter team in the history of football. But the, the Bills have the lead at halftime. And then they're hanging on for dear life. Uh, mark it down. And just start making money on it. Bet the Bills in the first half.
0: Fade them in the second. Well, before we transition to week 13 here, as I mentioned, week 12 will finish Wednesday afternoon with Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Dallas and Baltimore on Thursday has been moved to, what is it, Tuesday, I think, of next week. So all sorts of shifting with the schedule here, uh, probably because Pittsburgh wound up with some COVID positives, too. It wound up not just being Baltimore, wound up being Pittsburgh as well. Pittsburgh's still a 10-point favorite, total 41.5 for this Wednesday afternoon game, uh, no Lamar Jackson for Baltimore. It will be RG three. Um, but you know, a lot of guys affected really from both teams uh, with this annoying illness. So you're going to have a play on Wednesday's game, or is this just, you know, just way too strange of a scenario? Uh, 41
1: and a half pretty low uh, for us. especially total. for the, the current. I mean, NFL. it's like, if it's the, you know, you can see the, the giants, uh, the Bengals, right with the with that quarterback, uh, some of those games stuck out. The Dolphins and the Jets. I mean, you still have Roethlisberger slinging it around, and you know RG three can probably. I don't. You know, they're not going to get shut out. Uh, that total looks a little low to me. I, it, the side I would steer clear of it. I mean, Baltimore. They're they if Baltimore loses this game, and it was like, what's going on with these guys? They're on the outside looking in, but their schedule on the back end, the rest of the way. Is Cupcake City. So, you know, Baltimore's going to make a push. It's just probably not going to be here. Um, the one thing I said, they better play this game. <laughs> and uh, there's two things. One, they better play this game because Denver's going to be sitting there going, you're kidding, right? We, we had to play a game with a guy we pulled out of a tailgating party at quarterback. And you're giving these guys day after day after day after day. Why, why is Why is Baltimore-Pittsburgh getting special? dispensation here so this game's got to go and then the other thing is is a little interesting and I I hate to bring it back to the Bills I mean they're playing the Niners which is no walk in the park because I think the Niners are playing good and it could be a look ahead spot for the Bills playing Pittsburgh but you now have Pittsburgh you know mark this one down you've got Pittsburgh playing Wednesday Monday and then having to play the Sunday night game at Buffalo, that's that's three games in a pretty short window. Pittsburgh's got a little revenge. Buffalo beat them last year, but last year was last year for Pittsburgh. But if I'm Pittsburgh, I mean, they got I guess the Baltimore and then Washington, who's actually playing pretty hard. But if you're sitting there going, "Where's the spot that Pittsburgh could stub their toe?" You know, having to play three games in a short window and then play the Bills, that might be uh, that might be the banana peel for Pittsburgh.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. I think that, you know, again, we're going to find some interesting spots, interesting pricing, you know, going from playing on Wednesday to playing on Monday or Wednesday to Tuesday. That's something that's really never happened in the NFL before. Yeah, you you got a database for that? No, (laughs) no database for that. We talk circadian rhythm if you want. Oh, Um, there you go. You know, again, playing this random mid-afternoon time slot, just very strange for both (laughs) of these teams and, uh, you know, at least from Baltimore side seems sort of potentially self-inflicted uh, with their trainer, not masking up and all those kinds of things. So, you know, I, I think it's also going to be interesting too, to see how these things are kind of handled going forward because, you know, it also looked at, and you and I talked about this last week, it looked like the line had been drawn in the sand. The NFL said, we're doing this, you figure it out. And these mm-hmm. two teams were unable to figure it out. Game winds up getting moved twice. And then now you wonder, okay, well, you know, like you said, Denver. You know, Denver can look at this and say, Well, well, that was not that wasn't fair for us at all, not having any of our quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh was upset about losing their bye week, having games moved, stuff like that. But then they, of course, come down with some cases of their own. I don't know, but I, I don't think we're done with you know having to adjust this schedule and sort of figure things out on the fly. So Well, they do not want the week eighteen.
1: I mean, right. it's yeah. there, but they're sitting there going, We're not moving the Super Bowl because it is. Right. So, I guess th- the point is is it because there were so many guys and they, they felt it would it'd be the, are the two days going to make a difference? The impact of, okay, these guys are infecting each other all over the place. And then we're, how do we get back on the beam with these two teams? But for the life of me, how do you sit there and say to Denver, yeah, um, you know, you can play your game on Wednesday and then your quarterbacks can play? Uh, how does Denver get thrown to the
0: Wolves and Baltimore doesn't? Um, well, because Baltimore and Pittsburgh are in the hunt. You know, if if Denver was playing for anything, then you know that's probably okay. a scenario where they, where they probably end up moving the and and well, it, well, it is fine. a double but it that, is a double standard well, well, without a me. doubt. But. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, that's fine. You can say Denver's out of it, but what's Seattle saying or green? What's Green Bay saying? Really, right. you you just handed New Orleans a win. Yeah. I mean, Denver at home, they beat Miami. I mean, it's not in its taste of not breeze. It's, it doesn't. It, I don't think Denver would have been without a shot if Drew Locke was playing. So, yeah, we can sit there and say, yeah, Denver's irrelevant. But, you, you know, you probably hand in at the end of the day, you may look back on and say, oh, yeah, New Orleans got a week off in the playoffs because they played Denver without a quarterback.
0: No, that's fair. No, that's very fair. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what the solutions are, but you know, we'll see if the NFL has to come up with more of them on the fly here as they go forward. Like I said, no Thursday night game. It was supposed to feature Baltimore. They will play on Tuesday next. Oh, make them play Wednesday, Thursday. Let's go. Yeah, right. Why not? Hockey players do it. Yeah, well. In <laughs> any event. No, it's fine. (laughs) It's all good here. I guess we're going to do a highlight video with some of our thoughts for Week 13 here on ATS Radio. I'm host Adam Burke. That's Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. And interesting game at the top of the board for Sunday here, Brian. Detroit and Chicago, Lions and Bears, NFC North rivalry. The standard issue three is where this game kind of sits now, but it's not where it sat at the Open. In fact, Detroit was plus six in some places when this line came out now down to Detroit plus three 44 and a half the total for this one but obviously the big question here for the Lions is now that Matt Patricia has been fired and this has been a long time coming how do they respond here in the month of December with you know a few games left to go
1: well that's it I mean you get the change of head coach Chicago's in free fall at the moment their defense had kept them in virtually every game, but then they just got mauled by Green Bay, and I wouldn't say there's any great disgrace in that. Uh, Trubisky looked better than Falls, but they were never, you know, in that game. Detroit, the guy in the home stretch here, and I think he might have been doing the slow pout. He hated Patricia. And every every week in the injury report, oh, he's close, limited practice. And they kept holding him out, holding him out. Watch Kenny Galladay come back and go absolutely bananas here in the final month of the season. I, I think he hated Patricia. And I think maybe across the board they hated Patricia. And it's – in a one-off like this, I'd probably take a swing with Detroit, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. There's really no redeeming quality for Chicago right now. I mean, it doesn't matter which quarterback plays. Neither one seems to be any good. As you mentioned, the defense has really had some issues here uh, of late, and specifically in that game against Aaron Rodgers, where they just looked lifeless in the first half. Green Bay did whatever they wanted in that game, and you wonder about the mindset of Chicago as we go forward here as well. Maybe Detroit gets that one-game bump. I can't imagine Matt Stafford was too fond of Matt Patricia either. Stafford's had a rough year with COVID and his wife's been very vocal about, you know, how everything's been handled and all those types of things too. So you wonder about Detroit and, you know, how invested they still are. But, you know, for our listeners that are maybe in one of the handicapping pools or in a pool where you're going to pick every game or something like that, it would be Detroit or nothing for me because at least there could be a spark this week. Yeah. I don't think there are any sparks left for Chicago. I think they're just uh you know they're one of those dud fireworks, so to speak.
1: I mean, Detroit at least has offensive potential. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, and if you bring Galladay back, you know, you can you can see a game where for one, you know, a week where Stafford throws for 330, and you know, they they got the running backs can get it done. They're not setting the world on fire, but they're not hideous. And the bears are just this plotty mess on offense. No, I think that's
0: definitely fair. How about this game in the AFC South? 455, 456 Indianapolis and Houston, Indianapolis minus three total 51 and a half to 52 here for this game. Pretty much the market wide number. And Brian, I think this is a really interesting game because Indianapolis is a team that a lot of us have been poking holes in the resume throughout the year because they played a very weak (laughs) schedule they get the rematch with Tennessee after doubling up the Titans on Thursday night a couple of weeks ago, and the Titans do whatever they want on offense in that game. Now, Indianapolis goes down to a shorthanded Houston team without Will Fuller uh, and Bradley Roby here, both popping positive tests for a banned substance. But you know, at this point in time, I think we kind of see this across the NFL. You can kind of bet on effort levels for teams. And, and right now, Houston is still playing very hard for interim Romeo Cornell. Hey, do me a favor.
1: Give me um, it's circadian rhythm. Uh, throw it. A, give me two or three more fancy analytics things.
0: I don't man. Don't put me on the spot like that. I'm just. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out how to get back into my normal routine.
1: Uh, well, did did you do analytics when you shoveled the driveway? No.
0: All right. No, I did a lot well, of swearing when I shoveled the driveway. All right. S- sometimes this stuff
1: it ain't so hard. You know, I mean, to be a rocket scientist and, and outthink yourself with all this crap. Last week, I, I, I think, I know I did a video. I'm assuming, I don't know what we did. Maybe we talked about it last week. The Tennessee game. Is, is like, Tennessee's playing at Indianapolis. And like, oh my God, this is the exact same game that I thought was the bet of the year two weeks ago. And that was Seattle had lost to Arizona and the Rams. They're tied atop the division at six and three. But if Seattle loses to Arizona, they're two games behind Arizona. The division's gone. So Seattle is playing that game in week whatever, 10. That's their season. It's a playoff game. Seattle got revenge, punched him in the mouth, won the football game. Here's Tennessee. They get beat. They get smoked at home by Indy. They're tied atop the division. But if Tennessee loses to Indianapolis, the division is gone. There are two games basically behind them with Indy having swept them. It's like Tennessee has to win the football game. This is a playoff game for them. And, oh, by the way, they are the net matchup nightmare of all matchup nightmares in the playoffs in a one-off because they can run the football. Tennessee went in there, you know, ridiculously high-scoring game. Tennessee wins the game. It was a playoff game for Tennessee. If Tennessee and Indy play ten times, they go five and five. If if Indy played Tennessee, that was like one of the bets of the year last week was Tennessee. They played again this week, I'm probably betting Indy. So so I'm just – the point is you don't have to overthink this stuff. It's like situational things that dictate common sense without going overboard. So now Indy, now they get maybe physically that game took a toll on them. Houston's playing better. Houston has extra time to prepare. Everything's pointing to Houston, but I think Will Fuller getting suspended for six weeks. He's gone. As good as Watson is Fuller is such a weapon in the ability to stretch the field. And this is a very good Indy defense that just gave up 45. Uh, I I think Indy bounces back. I, I think, I'm not convinced, you know, Houston's got a good enough running game against this defense, and Fuller's absence points to me to to Indianapolis. I I don't know. There's a very long-winded answer, but it's like sometimes, don't overthink this stuff. It's right there in front of you.
0: Yeah, I think this is one where I'm going to take a look at the Indianapolis Colts, too. And, you know, as you said, for a variety of different reasons, and you know, every week when I watch the Philadelphia Eagles, and I saw some people kind of talking about it last night, like, this is a you know Doug Peterson team that beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Like, like what is cha- how have they fallen so far? The answer is, is Frank Reich. The answer is yeah. Indianapolis head coach Frank Reich. He was yeah. the offensive coordinator for that Super Bowl. He did so many things with that offense to put them in positions to succeed. And I think this is what I like to call a get-right game for Indianapolis. I think this is an opportunity to, yeah, they got to go on the road and, and, and whatever. They're playing a team with extra rest. That's fine. It is what it is, but they're going on the road to play another inferior team. And we've seen Indianapolis have success this year with inferior teams. As I said, a lot of people have poked holes in their resume because of the strength of schedule that they've played. Now they're going back to that weak strength of schedule after losing that game to Tennessee, where, as you said, Tennessee had, you know, everything to lose in that game and they played like it. Houston really has nothing to lose. They're playing better. They're playing well for Cornell. He's not going to be named the full-time head coach. At least I don't think so. But now Watson loses another weapon when he was already short on them. It's got to be Indy here. And, and what surprises yeah. me a little bit is the line move coming off of three and a half with the places that had it coming down to three flat on the juice minus 110. That surprises me a little bit. But I, I think Indy is the play here in this game. For sure. Yeah.
1: Oh, by the way, to boomerang back because they're connected – not to talk out of both sides of my mouth. I, I think Indy will offset the fact that Houston has extra time to prepare, but Fuller's absence is, is a big deal to me. But I actually think the extra time to prepare, going back to the Detroit thing, is a big deal the first game of the new coach. So yeah. I think that back to the Detroit thing, the extra time is very beneficial uh, with the new coach. Uh, gearing up for that game so they're kind of connected anyway i think,
0: I think so too and, and also too you know patricia seems like a guy who's quite frankly kind of a dick and yeah well you know now now you get rid of that negative influence and i can just go out there and have fun you know we talk about this all the time uh with the nhl when the nhl's yeah. in season when you're no longer playing for anything and you just kind of go out there and play mm-hmm. you know, well that's has well, gone it helps
1: who, here who's the definition of that you tell me. Pop quiz! I'll give you a guess. Give you one give me? I'll give you one guess. Who's the who's the definition of pressure's off? Just go out and play, and you don't want to play them. Okay, you're not going to get it, are you? No, I'm not. Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, you know, look at last year. Their hope will see out of it. The coach is going to get fired. They go on a Tootsie roll at the end of the season. Now, Raheem Morris is there. They're four and two. They probably dug too big a hole to have any say in the matter. The Raiders in a letdown spot that we talked about, vomited all over themselves. And Atlanta was more than willing to take them to the woodshed. And we see this from Atlanta and they did that without Julio Jones and Todd Gurley in the lineup. You know, Atlanta is this, Oh, we're out of it. Okay. Let's go
0: kill somebody. Yeah. And you know, to get to that game here, 463, 464 against the saints, Keep in mind, when the Saints were at home against the Falcons a couple weeks ago, Taysom Hill was announced as the starter. We all thought it would be Jameis Winston. Winds up being Hill. The line craters. Saints actually closed as low as minus two and a half at home in some places for that game. And I know that home field advantage is relatively non-existent here in the NFL this year. It's not strong if there's one at all to speak of. But let's say we give Atlanta at most a point for home field advantage here, at most. They're a three-point underdog now at home when they were a two-and-a-half-point underdog on the road against the Saints. So I understand that New Orleans has looked pretty good with Taysom Hill and the defense has figured it out and all that kind of thing, but at three, Atlanta's the play here. I, I think this is an overreaction to what we've seen over the last couple of data points because, like you said, I think Atlanta's played really well, and all this number suggests to me is that New Orleans is the only team the market's paying attention to.
1: Yeah, and you know, listen, give New Orleans full marks. They did this with Teddy Bridgewater last year, and now Taysom Hills in, and they're finding ways. They are just a very, very good football team. Uh, they just played a couple of weeks ago. 24-9 was the final score. You know, and that's New Orleans- one,
0: too, where Atlanta was off the bye. And I've talked about this. I think the mm-hmm. bye is a detriment to teams – because you can't do anything during your bye week. You can't practice. You can't go anywhere because you're trying yeah. to get COVID. They looked flat from the jump. And then last this past week, they looked like they were ready to go. So I think they're in a better spot here not coming off the bye.
1: Yeah, you know, that's a great point on the, on the, the bye week this time around where guys would hop on a plane and go down to the Cayman Islands for four days or something. Yeah, what, where are you going to go and what are you going to do? They're right. probably better served to keep, just keep playing football. That's actually a very interesting uh, way to look at that. Um, I like the over. I think Atlanta's competitive in the game. I still think, you know, Hill does more than enough to have that offense move the sticks. And then when they get in the red zone, I think they're pretty good to run it down your throat with him or Kamar or Matt Murray had a big game. But I think Atlanta's got things going a little bit here offensively, and historically. And I know it's not breeze, but historically, even, there's always an isn't there? I mean, every year a New Orleans Atlanta game first game was twenty four nine, but isn't there always in a New Orleans Atlanta game goes down to who's got it last, and it's like forty one thirty eight. Yeah, and I think it's this week.
0: Well, and I think too, I like it over. I mean, I, th- I think too as as New Orleans works more with Taysom Hill. You know, obviously the first game. You don't really know what to expect. There are a lot of questions. You wonder about how the play calling is going to look, stuff like that. Second game, they're playing in Denver against a decent Broncos defense. In you know the altitude and all that kind of thing, the the further remove we get from Drew Brees, the more efficient I would expect New Orleans' offense to get. So mm-hmm. I would think that you know even though their defense is playing better, and that's kind of a sign here uh, with the total coming down in this game to forty six. I do think the offense gets more efficient, gets more creative. You find out more about what Taysom Hill can actually do, stuff like that. I, I agree with you. I think kind of going against the early money here this week isn't a bad idea on that total.
1: Yeah. No, it's just the nature of the beast when these guys get together. And um, Atlanta's – think about it. I mean, Atlanta's 4-2 with Raheem Morris. We have talked about Quinn, you know, when is he going to get – get lit up when is it get, we've been talking about that for how long so that means those players had been talking about that or answering questions about that forever in a day it's, it's just like a breath of breath of fresh air for the uh, the core of that team that was just constantly being asked about the coach getting fired
0: yeah no no that's an excellent point too and uh you made a lot of excellent points over on our ats youtube page this week doing videos on that new orleans atlanta game that we just talked about. Also, videos for Cleveland, Tennessee, Rams, and Arizona, and then also Bills and 49ers. So, I encourage the listeners to definitely head over to our ATS YouTube page and check out Brian's thoughts on those four games. So, I want to touch on a couple of other games that you didn't talk about uh, on video here for this show. And one of them being Eagles and Packers. And the look ahead line on this one was Packers in the minus six and a half to minus seven and a half range, depending on where you look after another debacle from the Eagles last night, who did cover the closing number, um, you know, in in kind of surprising fashion there with the late two-point conversion. But now the number's nine. And this is in Mm. part because the Packers looked so good in their game against the Bears as well. The big thing, I I think the talking point here this week, and I know you've got Philadelphia on a short week, so maybe Peterson will shy away from doing this, but you got to go with Jalen Hurts the rest of the way, right? Oh, it's... It it
1: was you're watching that game last night. It's like this the kid came in for a play or two and then he goes back to what are you tinkering around in the middle of games for? But 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 see there's a real problem. It's not just well, it's a problem because right now that division's still there for the taking. The NFC East, as ridiculous as that sounds. But I saw this yesterday on Twitter or somewhere. I believe Carson Wentz makes 18 million this year. Next year, he makes 36 38 million bucks. Um, you, you, you better figure this out. Is this guy done? Is he done from what you're seeing? I mean, he's, he's got to be right. Well, uh, part of it though is no one's open. Yeah, that's true. They, they showed this last night and they, well, he holds on to the ball too long. Well, what do you want him to do? Well, he threw, he did, he threw a horrible pick, but nobody's open, uh, you know. so... It's, it's I'm not saying he's not been atrocious, but he's got nothing. I mean, well, what's his name? Uh Alshon Jeffries. It was like his first catch of the year last night. What are you talking about? They they show the overhead thing, and they're all all these guys running around. There's nobody open, and just a matter of time till you know Wentz gets pancakes. But. Yeah, the Hurts taking first-team reps throughout the course of the week. So they're, they're a whisper away from doing it. That was hideous by what we saw in that game against Seattle. I, I – you got to go to them at some point. It's Fisher cut bait, but, I mean, it's a much broader discussion. Hey, by the way, how much grief did the Eagles take when they drafted a quarterback? Yeah. Remember, uh, the, gri- remember the grief they took? Oh,
0: what are they doing? Why would they take it well, like, I think we know why now. And, and I think, I mean, there's a lot going on here. I mean, Car- I don't think Carson Wentz will ever be healthy again. I think that's a, a big part of it. I, I, he's not 100%. He doesn't move around like a guy who's 100%. So that's part of it. And as you mentioned, not only is nobody getting open, but also the Eagles have just been ravaged by injuries basically three years in a row at almost every position on the field, but especially at the skill positions. Did, so, am, I missing,
1: am I missing something? When you watch him, I mean, we I mean, you know how good he was out of the gate. It just looks this way to me. Maybe the quirky emotions, it's kind of a three-quarter arm. It, it's almost, it's not as goofy as Phillip Rivers, but it's not far from it. But it's like this three-quarter shot put when he throws it. But his arm strength, it doesn't look like there's anything on the ball when he throws it, even if he tries to throw it downfield. I mean, he just looks like, night and day. Like, is this anything near who the guy was when he came into the league?
0: Yeah. I, there's a lot going on there. I mean, I I don't know if, if now is, you know, the time that you make that move, especially, you know, because maybe you could find a way to get out from some of that money next year, but they got to do something. And Hmm. I don't know if Doug Peterson's the answer either. So, you know, maybe that's something they need to evaluate at the end of the season here as well. Brian, one more game I want to ask you about on this video before we chat some golf to finish up today's show. What do you make of the Patriots being favored cross-country against the Chargers? How about that one? Yeah. You're speechless. Uh, I've I've not seen a
1: team like the Chargers that just find the most remarkable ways to give football games away. For years now, too. Her, Herbert, no, I mean that Anthony Lynn stuff in in, in the Bills game. I mean, the the they, the Bills were ripe, and you know what? The Bills were coming off a bye, Back to your point of the bye may not necessarily be a good thing. That game was there for the taking. The Bills defense bailed them out in the second half of that game, and for the first time, Herbert looked pretty frustrated. There, there, no, there was just not much there for him to deal with. Uh, it will, the chess match is going to be Belichick. And what is he going to take away from Herbert? And Keenan Allen, right. I would think, I would think you'd be looking at Keenan Allen, but they've got enough weapons that this kid's got the arm. And I think he's got a little gunslinger in him that, okay, you took Keenan Allen out that he might be able to with Williams and uh, what's the one kid's name is it is it Guyton um they got one kid that just run runs nine routes and you know he catches a 70 yarder every three weeks what they and Eckler's back and he didn't look bad at all I kind of think this is the Chargers spot here Uh, you know New England is so one-dimensional to me um that I don't think they can keep pace with the Chargers' offense. I I think, I think
0: it, I think it's a mismatch, Herbert over Newton. I really do. I think it's fair. I think that's such a tough game, especially because again, I mean, Belichick will out coach Anthony Lynn. That is the one guarantee that we have in this yeah. game. The question mm-hmm. is, you know, is Herbert good enough to over, you know, to compensate for that? And to this point, I think Herbert's played really well this year. And their record is still poor and they're having trouble against the spread too. So I don't know, but you know, as I look up and down this NFL card here uh, and I feel like I say this every week that I'm not a, a huge fan of the NFL card, but it's, it's largely because again, I think, you know, it, the, a lot of these teams are very Jekyll and Hyde, unless they're the elites or the super well-coached teams. And we got some big numbers on the board here this week, some numbers that will likely get bigger. You've got, you know, the the four teams, Washington, Pittsburgh, Dallas, Baltimore, on you know really strange setups now maybe kind of like Washington a little bit uh, against Pittsburgh but you know looking up and down the card here it's just you know again you got teams that aren't great laying big numbers Minnesota laying almost double digits the Raiders laying over a touchdown after the egg that they dropped last week tricky week in the NFL I think here Brian
1: uh, yeah, I yeah just talking out some of the stuff we just did I think there's some spots in there I I Maybe like get the light, the lean to Detroit.
0: Yeah, I you think Indy, you are more of a totals guy than I am in the NFL.
1: I'm way more. Well, in the NFL, it's funny. In the, I'm a totals guy virtually in all sports. I do more more sides in the NFL than any other sport. So I kind of like Detroit. Kind of like Indy. I mean, this is the stuff we talked about. I can see the New Orleans Atlanta game over. Uh, we didn't. Talk, we we got to go here, but. We didn't talk about your boys. That's a, that's an interesting game, Cleveland-Tennessee. Like I, I think I kind of like Cleveland, to be honest with you. I mean, I think in a playoff game, I think Tennessee would take him to the woodshed. But Tennessee just played Indianapolis twice and Baltimore in the last three weeks. At some point, you got to wear it down. And let's give Cleveland full marks. You know what? By the way, maybe I'm that wasn't fair. Because you know what? If Tennessee's dangerous... Because they got Derrick Henry and can run the ball. Cleveland is dangerous because they can run the ball. So, you know what? I, I take that back. Uh, the Cleveland might
0: be a very tough out for somebody in the playoffs. And and Tennessee also played Pittsburgh before that first Indy game, right? I don't know if there was a game in between there or not, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, they played Pittsburgh too. So Tennessee's played a very, very tough schedule here. And, of course, the line movement in that Cleveland-Tennessee game is an indictment of the schedule that the Browns have played a uh, team. It's eight and three with a negative point differential. That's getting a lot of run here uh, on social media, but we'll talk more about those games and all the games here throughout the week on ATS radio, but make sure you check out our ATS YouTube page where Brian does have those four game breakdowns for us. Make sure you subscribe hey, over there and subscribe to the full versions of the show as well.
1: This is going to sound nuts. Nah, it's nuts. I'm, they beat Houston 10, seven, they beat the Eagles 22-17. They beat the Jacks 27-25. Listen, Cleveland, I was like, yikes, They're 37-34, they beat the Bengals. I mean, these are not juggernaut teams. But you know what? They're winning. Um, and they're winning. And all, all this stuff seemed to come to fruition after OBJ hit the bricks. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if it's a more simplistic approach to the game um, that they're taking. And at some point, you know, it becomes eight in the box, and okay, go ahead, try to beat us, and you know, eventually, it'll catch up with them. But (laughs) you look at the—they're entertaining. I mean, you
0: get the cardiac kids back there. I mean, every game's close. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I, I, I'd rather play Cleveland at this point, getting points as opposed to laying points because they don't create margin in any of their games. They really haven't throughout this season. The only game they've had some margin in was Washington. And and Washington was minus five in turnover margin in that game. So the Browns just don't create a lot of margin, but by running the football, by moving the chains, they do end up with a lot of close games. So they're getting six now all of a sudden. Uh, that's one that's definitely on my short list here for sure. this week. Real quickly, we'll finish up. Just want to make sure we talk golf just one last time here in 2020 with the OHL Classic out at Mayakoba. This is in Playa del Carmen down in Mexico and I sure as hell wish I was there right now instead of being here in the snowy Cleveland area. But you know, with that in mind, there are some guys playing this cause it's the last tournament, but also, you know, these guys, I mean, their lifestyle has been kind of cramped a little bit, not being able to travel as much stuff like that. So maybe kind of a, Hey, let's go on vacation, but also I'm going to play this golf tournament, try and win some money this weekend. We get Justin Thomas, Brooks, Kepka, uh, Abraham answer, of course, Mexican born player. Uh, same thing for Carlos Ortiz. We got Daniel Berger in this thing, Tony Finau, uh, Harris English, who's a past winner here. Pretty decent field south of the border.
1: And thank you. You just made the case for me. You, I said the one guy, I said, to me, everybody's going to talk about answer, and Ortiz just won. And the guy that's flying under the radar, who I honestly think uh, is, is going to be a much better play, player than the other two, is Sebastian Munoz uh, at 55 to one. I think it's going to be real comfortable in his own skin down there. I like Sebastian Munoz and take a little flyer with Gary Woodland at 60 to one. Other than that, it's late in the year. Like I said, it's the last one guys have been in and out, up and down, off, back. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll play those two guys. That's it. And then on Friday going into the weekend, uh, watch a couple of rounds and make a decision from there. So I'm, I'm treading lightly, but I, I think Munoz flies under the radar. That's an overlay. Believe me, if, if you know, Carlos Ortiz is 45 to one Munoz should be 45 to one. He's 55 to one. He's the overlay and Gary Woodland, man, we'll see. You know, it has that David Duvall thing all over it. He wins the U S open and everything was good. And then the guy comes back and, you know, turned into this fitness guy and lost all this weight. And it's like, where did Gary Woodland go? Physically and literally. You know, it it didn't work for David Duvall. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But I think Gary Woodland can still play some golf But see if he can salvage something out of the season.
0: I got some pretty big, not, I have some medium range prices and a few big prices that I like for this one. I think the fact that you've got guys like Thomas and Kepka and Finau and Berger there, Those are all going to be the short prices. Harris English is a short price too, around 16 to 1. Victor Hovland is in this as well. What that does is it creates a little bit of price inflation on some of the guys that play this course regularly, play these types of events regularly. I've talked about this a lot. I like looking for guys that play well on coastal courses, vacation destinations, stuff like that. Guys that don't hit the ball a long way, but they just play really well. I don't know if they're comfortable in these settings or what it is, But this is a par 71 Greg Norman design wind could be a factor. Obviously you're right on the Gulf of Mexico, but a guy like Joel Damon at 66 to one, I think he's a pretty good player, good ball striker, accurate off the tee. That should help him here. Russell Knox has three top tens here in his career. He's 80 to one. Of course, you know, a guy with a European tour background, he'd be good if the wind kicks up. That's not a bad look. Bryce Garnett, actually one of the best players here all time in this tournament. He won in, I think, Puerto Rico or the Dominican or something like that. He's a guy who doesn't hit it all that far, but plays well in these vacation destinations. He's 150-1. to one. Uh, If Pat Perez was healthier, I'd consider him. He's a past winner here, but he withdrew from a tournament a few weeks ago, and he's missed some cuts. But that's what I'm looking at, man. I'm looking at some triple-digit prices. Rory Savage. 125 to one. He's mm-hmm. a good player. Can't um,
1: win with a yellow golf ball. <laughs>
0: yeah, It's been proven. It's festive. You can win here. It's not X- festive. X- it's festive. annoying. The guy's <laughs> out there playing with a range ball. Well, next My, time I come out there, I'm just bringing sleeves of colored balls and, and we'll have I to mean, I mean, I burned more
1: money on uh, Rory Sabatini and then even took a shot with Bubba Watson and the man. You can't win with a yellow golf ball. Uh-huh. Stop it. Well, we'll you want to win it? You know, you want you want to make a hundred thousand dollars in sponsorship for playing with with their yellow golf ball, or
0: you want to go make a million dollars and win a golf tournament? Duh! Get one of the sportsbook directors you have on Sportsbook Radio to put up a year long prop for you. Will a player with a yellow golf ball win a tournament? Yes, no. See if they'll no. do it for you.
1: I have no minus seven dollars. The way it's going. <laughs>
0: speaking of sportsbook directors and sportsbook radio brian blessing hosts that show on a daily basis in fact i'll be on today's show yeah. with brian and uh brian how can people check out that show and where can people find your work well it's good stuff
1: we get sportsbook radio was noon to two with the biggest hockey hotlines one to two pacific time that's a kshp.com if you're a hockey fan uh, a lot of good stuff there talking hockey and hopefully these guys the clock's ticking man they got to get the rag together now the, the sportsbook radio, which was noon to one, it still is, but it's on the Sports Grid Radio Network. And now we do a standalone hour for Sports Grid Radio uh, Pacific Time at 11 o'clock. Adam's going to be on with us today. So we're on uh, the Sports Grid Radio Network now. Bear with me from two to four Eastern, 11 uh, to one uh, Pacific Time. And the exciting thing is Sports Grid Radio is going to be on serious. 204 starting on january 7th so we'll be out and about and uh, i think that'll be a, a lot of fun we're looking forward to that so uh, it's been we're about uh, this is the start of our fourth week on sports grid radio and excited to what the future holds there so it's good stuff and on twitter at brian blessing you know basically anything we do we, uh, we get out there for you and adam will be on with us today
0: absolutely and i'm definitely looking forward to it and again check out brian's videos over on our ats youtube page as well. Brian Blessing, again, Sportsbook Radio, Vegas Hockey Hotline. Tuesday is here with me on ATS Radio at Brian Blessing on Twitter. Appreciate the time, as always, man. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you again next week.
1: Let me see your shoveling motion.
0: I ain't getting up. My back hurts.
1: Now. <laughs> Are you right-handed or left-handed? I'm or do right-handed. switch?
0: Oh, no. Not with a... No.
1: You're right-handed,
0: so it's your man. lower left back that's always in peril. My back hurts all the time, let alone when I'm shoveling, so all right man appreciate you having you. appreciate you coming on thank you so much i'll talk to you later see you buddy all right there you go there's brian blessing again the host of sportsbook radio and vegas hockey outline uh sportsbookradio.com kshp.com and on the sports grid radio network coming up on wednesday on our show here ats radio we'll chat with professional better and handicapper kyle hunter from huntersportspicks.com talking college football as well as college basketball going to try to split the show in half with those two sports Thursday, Brad Powers. We'll talk NFL and college football with him. Then Friday, week 13 in the Circus Sports 1000000 three twenty six and one for my ats.io-2 entry. We'll see how week 13 goes on Friday's show. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow.